one of 10 active Division I men's basketball coaches with a Natty Championship. The comeback champs cannot be denied. Viva La Alamo! Happy and jubilant, Tubby Smith. 18 NCAA tournament appearances, dozens of conference and national coach of the year awards, an Olympic gold medal with Team USA. I'm at that stage in my career, hit nothing surprises me. Everywhere we've been, we've left programs in better shape than we found them. From his alma mater, High Point University. Here, Dr. Bain called up and said, you know, Tubby, we want you to come home, put things in perspective. This is the Tubby Smith Show with legendary head coach, Tommy Smith, and DV, Darren Vaught. All right, welcome into another edition of the Tubby Smith Show. Darren Vaught here and seated across from me, the legendary head coach for the High Point Panthers men's basketball team, Tubby Smith. And on the phone, another old friend of Tubby Smith's. And now, Tubby, I say, and yes. Dave, this goes for you too, I say old friend in that, your friendship is old. I'm not, you know, it's, I'm talking about the friendship when I say old friend. <laughs> well, we, we've been friends. We've been knowing each other for some time. As uh, I guess, Dave, we probably met when you were coaching at East Carolina first, I guess. But now we never really competed yeah, against each other, although we played for well, the Coach Steele. That's right. Um, you know, when you when you talk about oh, I guess you're talking O L E, not O L D. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's old. You guys are old friends. <laughs> you could you could say we're O L D and also O L E. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dave, where are you living in in Charlotte? Um, no, 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 no. Um, Tubby, uh, what happened? I, uh, when I decided to stop coaching, Lynn and I kind of looked back at you know, where we had lived. And uh, first of all, we have never lived in a bad place. Every, everywhere we've lived. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, Greenville, Charlottesville, Columbia, Winston-Salem a couple of times. All those places uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed. We had great friends in each one of them. And, uh, you know, it was it, it was not an easy decision as to where you live. But, yeah. you know, we have a home on the Outer Banks. Uh, that we had had since we built a house in 95. So we knew our summers were going to be taken up uh, with uh, beach time, but we had to figure out where we were going to be best suited during uh, the winter months because uh, I was going to still be active in, with basketball and we had taken over this uh, chairmanship of the Maui tournament. So I needed to be where I was still in the uh, the throws of basketball season and I could travel and do things. So um, all in all, we we felt like Winston-Salem was, um, it, it was central. I mm -hmm. could get to the airport. I could make car trips. And uh, it was right in the middle of ACC, Big South, uh, Southern Conference, all the good basketball that we needed to be. And so we, we, we settled on um, Winston-Salem, during uh, the basketball season and Emerald Isle uh, during the uh, off season, uh, the beach time, if you will. Amen. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that. Now, Coach, um, you know, you mentioned your, your previous stops, an assistant at UVA, assistant at Wake Forest before you eventually became the head coach, East Carolina, South Carolina as well. Now, as you alluded to, you're the director of the Maui Invitational. And as, as I know Tubby has experienced, 
Uh, you mentioned before we started recording, Ryan, your son at UMBC, his experience. This is a different year for coaches. How has it changed for you as director of, of that event? Because you guys recently made the decision to not hold the tournament in Maui. Well, we did not reach that decision easily. Uh, it, it was really hard. Uh, this, is, this will be the 38th year of the tournament straight. And uh, we wanted it to be in Maui. And, and to be quite honest with you, we held off as long as we could making the decision. Uh, finally, uh, the, the, uh, the, the governor of the state of Hawaii, the mayor of the town of or the county of, of, of Maui came to us and said, uh, David, uh, he, he, we just can't do it this year. We can't have those teams coming onto the island this year. We can't guarantee uh, their safety. And if something were to happen while you were over here uh, and it spread throughout the different islands, it, it would be a mess. So when they when they told us that, I mean, we knew that was coming. But when they finalized that, then, you know, we went to work uh, on trying to find um, a place that we feel like would be, first of all, safe for the student athletes, uh, for the for the players, for the staffs of the different teams. Uh, we didn't want a situation where there were going to be a lot of people, a lot of teams. Uh, there are many of these uh, bubbles that are going on uh, around, uh, you know, Orlando's being one of them, where there's uh, a multiple of bubble tournaments down there. We didn't want to be in that. Nothing, I mean, that, that's just a personal decision. And so we looked around, and, you know, of course, I do live in North Carolina, and uh, throughout the uh, possibility of Asheville, and I've been up there many times, and uh, the, the hotels are good. Uh, it's good, fresh, clean air. You feel good up there. Uh, and the local people up there have really embraced the tournament. They have gone all out to try to help us with sponsorships and bubble uh, 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 hotels and uh, the arena up there. The uh, uh, is I've been there many times because of the Southern Conference tournament when I was running that. So uh, it, it it seems like it's a good thing. Now, all of that said. We know if you're dealing in college football or college basketball, which we're talking here, we're going day to day yeah. because we know one bad testing, one testing that turns out to be positive can ruin a lot of work. So every day I count my blessings and we move on to the next day. That's, that's interesting that where we are and, and, and you're at the forefront of it because of because you bring a wealth of knowledge, having coached and, and, and understanding that the student athletes are the most important, you know, people to this uh, whole process. You know, we're just blessed to have a day and weeks without issues. I, because uh, this, this is a dangerous, this COVID-19 is pretty dangerous. I was talking to a coach from um, Ledford. One of his players, former players, lives in well, he's going to school at Appalachian State, just passed away from COVID. You know, he, his parents had to, you know, he was on life support over the weekend. And so it's, it, he was a 19 year old. So, but, and, and you're finding a, a safe place that you can host the Maui. We played in it a couple of years. And, you know, that is one of the best tournaments, probably the best college tournament preseason. Uh, no. College tournament. 
Bobby, I I uh, just spent Monday and Tuesday of this week up in uh, in Asheville meeting with the local uh, people up there that are going to help us put it on. You know, the Coliseum manager and the uh, the, the Buncombe County um, uh, board and and the sports authority and the sports complex and all that. And they couldn't have been nice, so they, they they really couldn't. But um, you know, as I as I told them uh, there, we we've got to make sure that once the teams begin arising, I mean arriving, we've got to make sure that we've got our testing protocols in uh, in proper order, and that we've got the right people that are going to be testing. We're going to have to test. I think in order to satisfy these teams, we're going to have to test everybody that's in the official party every single day that they're there. Mm. Now, let, let's just go back, and I assume this is interesting to people, but, you know, because people think you, you just show up and play. It's not like that. Uh, most of our teams will come in on Friday before the Monday games begin. Now, they, it could be Saturday, but if they come in on Monday, I mean on, on Friday, excuse me, uh, we're going to require that they test before they leave that would be on, let's say, Friday. Test once they get there, which would be Saturday, and test on Sunday 24 hours before the first game. And then Monday before the second game, Tuesday before the third game. So they are actually going to be tested every day that they're here, mm-hmm. which would be at least five days. Um, and hope. Yeah, that's a lot of testing, yes. as you know. Oh God! And we got to hope that mm. you know. Let's let's say that every team brings thirteen players and five staff members, uh, and, and that would be the minimum. That's a lot of testing. Yeah. And we just got to hope that every every test turns up uh, negative, and that we have no problems. Uh, we secured a hotel up there that can house all of the teams. And that's good, but uh, well, that, you know it's okay, so <laughs> all cool. we can do. Yeah, that's all I can do. That, that November. Yeah, um, Tubby, we had to change it. That's right. Um, because uh, we normally have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, but because the NCAA uh, came out with you can't play a game until November twenty fifth, then that. Yeah, that that's took the away day our before. Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday before. Yeah, okay. so um, you know we had to we had to move our tournament one week later, which okay. would be so November thirty. Yeah, Monday, November thirty. November thirty. Okay, I sort of want to make sure. Yeah, and 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 that's the other thing is not being able to have uh, fans and folks there. Will you be able yeah. to have fans or what well, percentage? Well, you know, the governor right now is. He's he's the one that holds the key to right. how many fans we've got. We can fill it up if he opens it up. Mm-hmm. He's not going to do that. Uh, I think right now um, he's got a, uh, a policy out that says you can have 7% of capacity. And I, I don't know exactly what the capacity is in, in uh, the uh, arena up in Asheville, but I think it's in the neighborhood of, of uh, 5,000. Mm-hmm. Which would be perfect if we could get that, but uh, if he if he says seven percent of that, you're looking at three hundred and fifty people, Tommy, mm-hmm. um, and that's not many. Hopefully, by the time we get to uh, November, middle of November, he's going to have inched that mm-hmm. number up 
percent capacity, which would be wonderful if we could get that. Absolutely, that so, would be great. Uh, right now, you know, it's just uh, we're at the mercy of the governor. I think the governor's going to work with us on it, but a lot of it's going to be uh, how the state's uh, uh, COVID numbers are at yeah. that time. Yeah. If everything is under control. I think he'll push the numbers forward. We've had a you know fairly. I guess the numbers kind of crept up a little bit. Hope we can get it under control and and find a a vaccine as soon as we can, or be able to. The problem we have at a place like High Point or other schools at this level is, you know, the cost of the testing. Just so many different things that just yeah. come up. I was talking to my wife last night. She says, you look worried. I said, I'm going to be worried until this tournament's over. <laughs> you are. Yeah. I mean, we, we can do all of this planning, get everything in order, please all the teams, all the conferences. Right. We can do all of that. And then the teams start arriving. And, and let's just say on that Sunday morning, the day before the tournament starts, we, we test everybody in and, and, uh, Maybe one of the teams has a couple of people that test positive there, and you know we either got to hold the tournament up or call it off. Yeah, I mean you you don't have any other choice. No. You cannot go out there and play if you've got coronavirus running through one of the teams. You just can't do it. Yeah. So it's it's a, a bit of a risk, but it's one that we think's worth taking. Um, I, I I had a conference call with all the coaches and the medical people on the eight teams last Monday. And uh, I, I, I tried to stress as much as we could that the tournament rests in the hands of the athletes yeah. uh, and the staffs to come up here and be uh, be clean when they get here and remain clean throughout the tournament. Uh, because there's, we can do all the preparation if we want. ESPN's been great. Uh, the the uh, arena uh, complex and people have been great. Hotel has been great. But if if they don't come up here and test negative every single time we do it, then it's all for naught. Yeah. Let's take a quick time out with Planet Smoothie. Be sure to energize your day with the official drink of the High Point Panthers, Planet Smoothie, the best tasting smoothie on the planet. A big thanks to Planet Smoothie for being a proud supporter of High Point Athletics as well as the Tubby Smith Show. Well, are you still running and staying in? I know you stay in shape. You've been a runner. When did you first start running? I just because I used to look at we'd be at the Final Four or something anywhere, and you, there goes Dave Owen. Yeah. He's running out. <laughs> I never quite could. I, I'll run, but not like that. Unless it's, I mean, rain. It was. It could be snowing, raining. It didn't matter. Freezing outside. He's out there running. I, I tell you, when I started uh, the serious run, you know, I, I, when I started the serious running, it was when I was an assistant. At Virginia, mm-hmm. um, I got there, and Terry, of course, Terry Holland was the head coach, and uh, I'd been there, you know, through. I came in there in July and was there July and August. Uh, the students came in, the teams came in, and Terry, uh, one one uh, one Saturday, said, "Look, we start our our uh, fall program on Monday." I said, "Well, tell me about it." He says, "Well, first thing we do is we meet." at 7 o'clock on Monday morning over at the arena 
University Hall, and uh, we run uh, three miles. I said, huh? Because <laughs> I, I, I was still young enough at the time. I was still playing basketball, yeah. playing tennis. I was active, but I wasn't running. He said, oh, no. He said, we, uh, our staff runs with the team. Ooh. And so, you know, that, that year we had Ralph Sampson and Opel Wilson and Rick Carlisle. And uh, we had, you know, a heck of a team. Yeah. And, but the, I said, you mean Ralph Sampson is going to run three miles? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and so that that's when I started running. Yeah. Um, I, I actually started running then and didn't did stop until about six months ago. Okay. Um, I had an uh, eye band, hip, uh, muscle pull a little bit. The trainer at Wake Forest told me to back off of that a little bit and get on a bicycle, okay. so that's what I've been doing. That's interesting to me, Dave, uh, just from the perspective of, you know, I've got some, some, some younger friends closer to my age around 30 in the coaching ranks and they'll, they'll work out with players and, 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 you know, some of these guys are volunteer assistants, that sort of thing. You guys both have had uh, obviously successful runs as head coaches. At what point does that stop? Do you guys remember both as young assistants, wherever you were? you know, getting in on, on running pickup during practice, like to what extent did that happen? Because some of these friends that have explained it to me at various schools, it sort of amazes me the level to which they're involved in the, in the, the physical activity. Well, it's like coach Odom just said, he was, uh, I don't know what, how old were you then when you went to Virginia coach? When I went to Virginia, let's see, I was, uh, you're like 50? 41. 41? like that. Yeah. So, 40, maybe. Well, you were still playing pickup basketball. No, 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 I was younger than that. I'm sorry. But still, you were. Let's see. I was maybe 36. 36, okay. Well, I was, heck, I was still dunking the ball when I was 51 years old. I'm only 6'2, 6'3. When I was at Kentucky, I stopped, I stopped playing pickup because I used to play with the the um, managers after practice so i and i was in the running you know and all of a sudden I, this kid we we're on a fast break where i catch the ball on the outlet pass i'm getting ready to dribble this kid jumps in front of me to take a charge one of the managers so i kind of sidestep and pull a hamstring I'm like <laughs> oh man so then i come back and we play and i pull the other hamstring about a month later and i was like this is it you know, it, you know, I didn't know I still had hamstrings. I was about <laughs> she was at, but uh, it was just fun you know, to do, huh? Yeah, you thought you better re rethink this program. Yeah, yeah. I just, but then I started doing you know, just jogging, but I could never really get into it. I play a lot of golf now, and I try to walk the eighteen holes. That's that's what I'm relegated to now. Well, it it, um, it was a it, it be, after we got running serious. Uh, basketball season would be over, and you know we now we're into April, and I'm thinking we'll stop. And Terry said, "Oh no, 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 we'll just keep running every day." And um, I live two houses from him, so I'd come out of my house, take a left, go and stand in front of his house. Here he'd come every morning, and we'd go running. That's great. Um, but it got to where we weren't running three miles. I mean, we were going yeah. five and six miles uh, out of mm. season. Wow. And, uh, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, and our wives got involved in it. That's beautiful. Um, it just became something that we did every day. And 
Uh, it was like getting up in the morning and and uh, eating eating a bowl of cereal. I mean, it, it's just something you did. Well, I see. And I never really stopped until about three months ago. So, did you play football and basketball? You you didn't play football at Guilford, did you? Yeah, I did. Did you? Uh, I, yeah, I did. I played uh, football uh, and basketball both, and uh, it, it was you know Guilford. Uh, you, you, of course, you played at High Point so in, in the same level at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think High Point's certainly different now, but um, at that time we were all in the same league, yeah. and uh, I, it was easy for me at that time because the, the coaches didn't put the kind of pressure on you. It wasn't year round right. getting ready for football. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have the weight lifting and all. I mean, we we lifted weights. It was kind of on our own. And, all that kind of thing, but yeah, I did play. Uh, I played football um, uh, for four years, and then basketball for four years as well. Well, Coach Steele, you there? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I, I had Coach Steele for four years. For four years, yeah. And yeah, I only had him for one year. I always <laughs> he was, and you know, I'm I'm hoping that he's recovering and and doing okay. But I know you've been in touch with him uh, regularly. Um, this. He's a special man. I, I always tell him, I said, I wish I played for him for four years. I only had him that my senior year, but we got to got to know each other pretty well. Tell me, let me ask you something. If I were to say to you, if I if, if I was the moderator of this podcast, and I were to say to you, all right, you had Jerry Steele for one year as the head basketball coach at High Point, what's the one thing that he left with you that, that you, you know, uh, intangible, not not yeah. not how to box out or be a good rebounder, not not that, but one life lesson that he left with you. What would you say? I would say it was just he made it fun. You know, he with his um, his humor. You know, he always he always had a way of even in the toughest drill or the the most um, the most intense situation, he found a way to say something. That would relax you. I just remember the first time we met after he took the job, and it was that spring of my, um, well, it was that fall of my, my. well, he came in, I think, in spring, and I was shooting around in the gym and he had, at the Miller Center, and he came in and was watching me, and, and I couldn't make a shot. So I, <laughs> he said, uh, I asked him, he said, he said son, um, what are you you're supposed to be our best player. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, uh, you didn't make a shot out there. I said, well, coach, you make me nervous. He said, well, he said, well, we got a problem, Tubby. I, said, I looked at him. He goes, you know, I'm going to be at every practice and every game. <laughs> so I, he took the edge off. You see what I mean? He said, you know, I'm going to be at every game, Tubby. You relax, son. Go ahead and I'm going to be at every practice. <laughs> but those are the kind of things he would say. I mean, he was such insightful in, in ways of making you feel, bringing you to to the level of, you know, basketball is good, but guess what? Let's have some fun doing this. And I've tried to do that throughout I, uh, my career. I, I, you know, what was yours? What was yours? Now that you <laughs> asked me that, I'm like, you? Well, it, it, it's easy for me. I mean, I, yeah. uh, you know, when you look back on that time, um, it, 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 there are two things that stick out to me. Uh, and Tubby, you know this because you've coached at the very highest level of college basketball. And so you know uh, going in, I mean, you won a national championship and 
Uh, you, you, you know, one of the uh, intangibles that every great champion has to have is a sense of fearlessness. You cannot, you cannot be afraid of the moment. Yeah. And um, I, I think uh, when, when Jerry Steele came to Guilford College, we were probably the worst basketball team in captivity. I mean, we were really bad. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, in some ways it's hard to say that, but in another, it's, you know, look at yourself in the mirror and say who you are. Yeah. We were bad at that time. And, and uh, he, he, I'll tell you how bad we were. Our record that first year he came, we were 5-20, and 20, and he was named Coach of the Year in the Carolinas <laughs> Conference. <laughs> yeah, he, he just told me. That's yeah. an honest story. Tell me, when you talk to him, ask him about yeah. it. I'm telling you. 5-20, oh, yeah. oh, he was Coach of the Year he told in me. the Darn Conference. Oh. Now, but over that year to the next year, he began to teach us, don't be afraid of yeah. Of being great, don't be afraid of playing against Highport University, who had great team at that time. Yeah. I mean, you always do, but I mean, they had they had three pros on that team. Yeah, but don't be afraid to go do it. And the other thing that he taught taught me, and, and it still rings clear today. And I know you'll say this is true, is uh, a sense of loyalty. Yeah. Always be loyal yes. to those that you are friends with. And to those that you work with, uh, be loyal to them and fear nobody. Yeah, he was, you know, he was a fearless competitor. And uh, when yes. you talk to people that he played with, you know, and when he played for Bones McKinney there at Wake Forest, and and you talk to um, other people that played with him, uh, so so he he's a guy that that was he was considered the. Not necessarily the goon, but he was the the strong guy. He was the enforcer. Back then, you had an enforcer, and that was his job. So he uh, he, he really um, his his sayings. You know, I just some of the ones he said. <laughs> he, he, I want five bop bops. You know, he was, he, we're doing some line drills where he catches the ball, drop step. Hey, tell me, give me five bop bops left, five bop bops here. <laughs> Up and none. You know, <laughs> I can hear him now. He would say, I remember him saying, It's time to. He would say things like, It's, I can't, I don't know if I should say it on air, but he would say, It's nut cutting time. <laughs> you know, only a person from, you know, that was from a farm or, or, or raising or killing hogs or, 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 or neutering or whatever you did to the hogs. That's what he was talking about. And I could get it, I could get it, but most people didn't get it because I grew up on a farm. <laughs> Uh, he would say, boy, it's time to eat glass. You know, just some of the things I still say. If you want to enjoy a great meal, head on over to Sweet Old Bills the next time you come see the Panthers play. Sweet Old Bills is located right off Main Street in High Point and is the official post-game meal for High Point University Athletics. Sweet Old Bills is also the proud home of the High Point Athletics Coaches Show, where you can catch Tubby Smith and other High Point head coaches every month. Sweet Old Bills, a proud supporter of High Point Athletics and the Tubby Smith Show. That's really interesting for me to hear from my perspective, given his influence on both of you guys as coaches. Um, that comes up later when you yourselves start influencing other coaches. And I mean that to say specifically in, in the case of each of you, you have sons 
who ended up getting into coaching. And of course, you know, Tubby, you have Gigi on staff um, here at High Point and Ryan of note at UMBC is, is your son, Dave. Um, what, what is, what was that like when, and it's probably very much a case to case basis, but you're in this profession that, you know, can, can, you know, drag and, and beat well, you down. And it's, and it's a 24 seven nonstop grind. What do, what do you say to a son who I assume maybe it as a teenager asks you about your job and, and whether or not he should get into the profession? But what would you say, Dave? What, you go first. Well, I, you know, I, the, the key, you talked about loyalty. I think your family is part of your profession, and it becomes a way of life, your lifestyle. And, and when I know with my boys, and I see them all the time, I said, fellas, it's not always, it's, it may not, it's not as easy as it may you know, because as parents, you know, and as you 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 love and you have a passion for the game, and you're working. And I used to bring my boys to practices. I bring them to the office. So, and I'm because that was some of the times I could be with them because you're out recruiting. I mean, Dave can tell you you were gone all the time years ago. I mean, it was they didn't have these recruiting periods. You just went until you ran out of money, and then then you went and slept in somebody else's home, or or you know you you bum ride not ride but at a hotel hey you stand here can i stay with you this type of thing so um i, I just think and respect i I think when they your, your your family and your sons or daughters they watch how you conduct yourself and that the respect that you have for others and for the game and i think that's why they wanted to get in it in the business well uh as far as you know, Ryan is concerned. Um, you know, I, I would go back to when um, we were uh, we were in Charlottesville. Assistant coach. Um, he was probably six sixth grade, maybe at the time. And um, you know, we, we lived just across the viaduct from University Hall. I mean, it was okay. a short two blocks, and um, he would. He would come home from school every day, and he'd jump on his bike, and he would go over to University Hall. He'd go down the well, and he would actually drive his bicycle, ride his bicycle, right on to University Hall, uh, right down there where the, the court was, where we were getting ready to practice. And again, you know, we had great teams uh, back in those days. And uh, Jeff Jones, who is now the head coach at Old Dominion, Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, on our staff. He was uh, the non-coaching coach. Uh, back in those days, you could only have three coaches, and he was the fourth. He just graduated. And he would sit down on the side, and Ryan would go and sit by Jeff and watch us practice and talk to Jeff. And Jeff would uh, – Jeff's one of the smartest guys you've ever been around from a basketball standpoint. And he would he – would, he would drop some nuggets on Ryan about coaching. And I didn't know what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. But that I think that's where Ryan kind of uh, his uh, his desire to coach was actually seeded. And it began to, to sprout. And then we moved to Winston-Salem. And he, you know, got to where he was a pretty good basketball player over at R.J. Reynolds. 
And, um, you know, when he graduated, he had a really good team. And I said to Ryan, uh, and he, uh, I said, Ryan, uh, you know, what do you want to do about going to school? And he said, um, I said, you can come to Wake Forest now. I don't know that you're going to play any. Um, you know, we got Randolph Childress and we got all these players. I don't know if you're going to play any, but you're good enough to make the team. He said, Dad, I don't want, I don't want that. Mm. I want to go and play where, you know, it means something, right. you know, where I have a chance to make a contribution and help the game be decided and, you know, to, to have a good season, that kind of thing. So long story short, he ends up, how about this? High Point native, Tony Shaver. Yeah. <laughs> it was the head was the high head coach at uh, Hampton Sydney, and uh, he uh, he came and recruited Ryan to go to Hampton Sydney. Ryan went there four years, had had a great career uh, as a player. Now, by now we're you know we're situated, and we're one night uh, we're having a family dinner, and it's uh, it's his Ryan's senior year. I think it was at Christmas time. I said, Ryan, another three or four months, you're going to be graduated. What are you going to do? <laughs> and he says, Dad, I've been thinking about it. I, I think I'd like to coach. Hmm. And I mean, it was like dead silence. He never, ever <laughs> never mentioned that. Mentioned that. Uh-huh. I mean, he, he, had, he, had, he was completing an economics degree. Uh, I always thought he was going to go. I mean, he was a good student. I thought he was going to go to Wall Street, make a bunch of money. <laughs> And he said, I think I want to coach. Yeah. And I, I turned and I looked at him. His mother was there. His brother was there. All of them. And I said to him, I said, why? Yeah. <laughs> he, what was his rationale? Tell me, listen to this. Listen to this. It's amazing. I'll never forget it. He says, looks like you're doing okay. I said, from what standpoint? <laughs> he said, well, he said, you travel all over the United States. you got an air travel card. you got a, uh, an American Express card. You never paid for a meal. You have two cars, <laughs> yeah. one for you, yeah. one for mom, and you got a team to coach, and everything seems to be pretty good shape. <laughs> and I said, Ryan, I started at Durham High School. Yeah. I swept the floors every day. I took my towel and a white towel. I mean, yeah. way before coronavirus or whatever the heck it is. I mean, we swept that everything. You you've missed the point, my boy. You missed my point. Yeah, yeah. He, he saw he saw me, three times the ACC coach of the year. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. Because you, you, I remember you coming. You know, I was at Rayford. That's when I, we first met. You know, and you had uh, George Felton and uh, Eddie Payne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they came in oh, and recruit yeah. Harold Thompson. But what I'm saying, I was at the, at that high school level too. What were you, how many years were you in? Six years or how many years did you coach high school? Dave, how many years did you coach high school? Um, I, I was just figuring that up as you said it. Uh, <laughs> Eleven. 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 So I was six. Yeah. I was six years, and I, you know, then I, then I ended up coaching what. 12 years as a as assistant coach before I was able to get a head coach. But right, with my boys, both Gigi, Saul, and Brian, they all, uh, you know, one thing that I regret is that I didn't coach Brian. You know, the winningest years in my career was when I coached Gigi at Georgia for two years and Saul for four years at Kentucky. And then Brian went to Ole Miss. And, you know, yeah, uh, Fletcher Eric. 
because I'm, I'm, I'm too, just talking about things. But Fletcher Eric at Fork Union, great guy, what a wonderful man. Yeah. He uh, yeah. had done a fantastic job. You know, they named the, the floor after him in the gym, new facility they have there. He was a fantastic man, and he's struggling right now with – with, with Alzheimer's, but he's he's still he's hanging in there. But uh, he told me to take my son Brian. He drove all the way across the mountains to a Kentucky game one day and stayed with me and said, and tried to convince me. I said, well, you know, my, my wife Donna, you know, she really doesn't want to see enough. She's seen enough about me coaching my sons, but they all wanted to get in the business. And I, I said, fellas, it's not, you know, you know, they're seeing you and they're seeing us at that level. Just like you said about Ryan and 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 I think they that we were doing well and and we love the game and they want to be a part of it. Uh, how did your lovely wife Donna take all this coaching stuff? You know, Donna was a cheerleader at High Point, so she was into athletics and you know it was it was tough at Kentucky though because you know Saul. In, you know, he started his junior and senior year. We had pretty good runs there, but they never felt like they always felt like, well, and, and on him because we, you know, we averaged twenty seven, twenty eight wins. You know, Saul was part of four SEC championship teams, a national championship with the three elite eights. So, you know, he was, and he's still one of the top assist guys in the history of Kentucky basketball. So, and that was just in two years of starting. So, uh, but it, it was sort of like what happened with Eddie Sutton and Sean Sutton, or whenever you coach your son, it's tough. And, uh, but, but I, um, that's what Donna, she, she just, you know, this is enough. You know, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want Brian to go through this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but but the people were great. I loved it. You know, heck, I was enjoying it, coaching both of them. And they were they were great. You know, they kept I guess they kept the guys from from you know, mutant mutiny was, you know, because there were days that I'm like, what did you what did you do when I was going off on you guys, fellas, when I was having to happen when we had a tough practice or a tough game? You know, Gigi said, Well I would I would just I would avoid he would avoid his teammates, might go somewhere where, you know, he'd go in the training room. Saul was just the opposite. He said, Dad, they better not say anything <laughs> in front of me. So two different personalities. I don't know how we got on that subject, but heck, I think we asked about getting into business. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. I know we've had a great time talking with you. I've, In fact, I'm getting ready. To, I'm going to be on a, a, I'm on this ad hoc committee with, you know, Roy Williams and Mike Shevsky and Jay Wright and John Beheim, you know, an ad hoc committee that we talked directly to Craig Robinson, our new director, uh, president of the NABC. So, uh, but I appreciate you, you know, joining us. And uh, and I, it's, it's really been fun talking to you. We're, we're certainly, uh, I know you care a lot about Coach Steele and Kitty, and we're hoping that he's going to be fine. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor that you uh, you call me. I don't know who I'm filling in for today. See that? And I look forward to uh, coming up. Tell me if you just invite me, I can come to one of your practices. Yeah. I'd love to see. Well, I'm particularly interested in one of your freshmen, Bryce. Children. Oh, Childress. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you coach yeah. or his son? I, I mean, his dad. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know his dad. I, I know his granddad yeah. as well, okay. uh, Tommy. Oh, yeah. And we played against each other. He was at Catawba. I was at Guilford. And 
you know, we've remained friends all these years. And so I saw the kid play as a junior and a senior. You got one heck of a steal there, but yeah, he can he, really, really shoot. He ball. can shoot the lights out. I, you know, Tom, we played against his, his grandfather's teams, mm-hmm. you know, so we had an in there with him and, and that was a big help. You know, he played at Hargrave and, and prepped there and did a good job. Enjoyed, uh, okay, well, listen, you know, I, you, I, you. I, I, I was probably second. I probably wasn't my wife's first choice either, so we're <laughs> glad you were second. <laughs> you know what I mean, Dave? <laughs> Anything else you want to add, Dave? I know you're going to comment. Yeah, I'm going to say this. It kind of hurts me as a Gilford graduate, <laughs> but I'm going to say good luck, Dubby. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Come up anytime. You know you're welcome. I told Coach Steele the other day when I talked on the phone with him, I said, look, because he was talking about coming to practice. I said, well, you know, to keep him fired up. I said, Coach, I need some help. I need some help desperately. There you go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You take care. Thanks, Coach. Really do appreciate it. Thanks, Dave.